Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. I want to talk today about total transformation, and I kind of subtitled it, Change Can Be Good, because change isn't always good, right? How many of you have gone through a change that really wasn't good? Yeah, okay, we won't. I'm going to preach the better side of that today. So. All right, total transformation, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2. It'll probably be on the screen, and I'll be reading out of the New King James Version. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Lord, we just give you this message today and our time together as we interact. Um, I thank you, Father, that it's not my words, it's your spirit. It's not my ability to communicate. It's what your spirit is able to communicate not to the head, but to the heart of all of us here this morning. So we ask, Lord, that we would just kind of fast forward past all of the, uh, uh, all the superficial stuff in our minds and, and just really lay hold of, God, what do you want to say to me today through your word? What is it that you want me to leave this place knowing and understanding and being challenged with this morning. And so if that takes place, Lord, it's kind of like you said, uh, you had to decrease. You wanted to decrease so that, so that your Father could increase. Lord, we as a body, we want to decrease. And, and even in people's opinions of us or their, their thoughts toward us, Father, so that they can see who you really are. So Lord, let your life and your truth shine forth out of this place this morning. God, that we would all be transformed by it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the key scriptures, you know, that I've used, utilized in my personal walk with God, um, the challenges that I face as a person is really encapsulated in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, and expressly that second part where it says, don't be conformed to this world. There's a constant effort for us to be conformed in our thinking to the way of the world. Constant. It's diametrically opposed to the kingdom of God, and there is a dynamic pull on us, spirit, soul, and body, to be transformed to the thinking or to stay conformed to the thinking of the world system. How many of us know that the thinking and the ideals of the world system is completely different than the thinking of the kingdom of God? Even that statement that Jesus made, I must decrease that he might increase. I have to decrease so that Christ can increase. I'm not the star of the show. So that statement is just a testimony to the idea that 
The world system is pulling on us, pulling on us, pulling on us. A lot of times we go through a difficult time and what is the first thing that we think about? Not the power of Christ that lives in us, but the obstacles that we face and the inability that we have to overcome those obstacles. It's just human nature to launch into that thinking first and foremost. And so what God is asking us to do through his word is for us to think before we respond even mentally to what's going on in our life. How many of us know many times the things that, that the seeds that are planted are planted in our mind before a word is even spoken. How many of you start thinking about the obstacle that you're facing? You know about it maybe before anybody else does and you haven't talked about it yet, but that obstacle is looming and eventually you will start talking about it. And so this process oftentimes is going over in our mind. I don't know if you're an internal processor or an external processor, but if you're an internal processor, there's a whole lot going on in your mind before it ever hits your lips. And it can be dangerous to continue. We call it dwelling on things. How many of you are a dweller on things? That you would say, man, I, I, get, I catch myself thinking about it, thinking about it, staying up at night about it, worrying about it, concern, whatever. This whole scripture is trying to steer us toward not allowing ourselves to think in conjunction with the world system, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. The best question that we could ask ourselves is simply this, Lord, what do you say about this matter? Lord, what are your thoughts toward this matter? Are you worried about this, God? I assure you, he's not worried about it. I assure you, he's not worried about it. He already has the solution. All he needs us to do is back up a little bit and say, Lord, what do you think about this situation? Now, as I've described about my last four or five years, which has been a really difficult time, as the last kind of major instruction that I got from the Lord was simply this. I want you to stop doing what you've been doing for 26 years and go into the marketplace in kind of a more of a business thing. Okay, I'm an ENFP, so Vicky tells me. That means that I'm an adventurer and, you know, spontaneous and um, like to just do things off the cuff. It's not really that much of a, a, a stressor to change. and to, So I'm like all for change. No problem. Let's, where, where are we going? And the only thing that I got was go back to Maine. Yeah, okay, go back to Maine. I like Maine. Been there several years of my life. Grew up there. God bless America. Anything else? Nope, just nothing. So I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about that part of my journey again, because I've talked about that a few times already. But oftentimes, God doesn't tell us everything about what we're getting ready to go through. And sometimes it's a good thing, because we might not be inclined to go through the process of change that's upon us. How many of you, have you had known all that was ahead might not have made some of the decisions that you've made, even though you know now it was the will of God and the plan of God, but yet the road has been a difficult road. 
It's been filled with challenges and, and trials and you felt yourself squashed and squeezed and crushed and challenged. I'm quite aware at this point in my journey that God is transforming us for our whole entire life. You don't get to a place where you're transformed and now everything's done and you just stop and rest and it's over. I believe until the day we die, we'll be wrestling with who we are because I firmly believe that God has created us with a destiny and a purpose and he is intending on fulfilling that in our life. He's causing us to become everything that he's destined us to be. And that is a lifelong process. And so being transformed, I would just say we probably need to get used to the challenges of transformation. You're not going to leave the world's system and transition to the kingdom of God and not go through some process just in that transition and that transformation. We are inherently selfish by human nature, right? You talk to a two-year-old in the nursery or the daycare. We were talking about Micah the other night. We have a picture of him at probably two years old. He's standing in North Carolina in a a little church that we were pastoring at that time there. He's standing in the corner. He's just a little guy. No, not even hair yet. He's standing there with his feet planted, his hands on his hips, and uh, he's got like all the toys behind him. (laughs) And he's like daring those kids, you know, to come get his toys. There weren't even his toys. They were the church toys. And he claimed ownership because why? At two, you're selfish. Right? You're just born with it. You have to be transformed out of the place where you're selfish. You don't come out of the womb, you know, with these traits of, oh, I don't really even want to play with those toys. You can have those toys. How many times have you sat in front of your children, maybe as you were raising your children, and, and you had to teach them now say, say, no, N- no, say no. Come on for daddy, say no. You didn't teach your kid how to say no. They came up with that one on their own. You might have had to teach them how to say yes. You didn't have to teach them how to say, mine. <laughs> it's just natural. They say, they say that because that's part of our human nature. It's all mine. Right? When we're two. But God brings us through this process of helping us to realize that it isn't all about us. And we have to go through transformation of our thinking, of our mind, of our heart. There's heart changes that have to take place. And sometimes there's this, well, there's a certain amount of change that you go through and transformation that you go through as a, as a two-year-old, as a six-year-old, as a 14-year-old, as a 20-year-old, as a 30-year-old, as a 40-year-old. There's different things. That, and it, there's a level of maturity that we have to go through for each phase to actually be able to a- activate. There's a certain thing that you learn in in your childhood that positions you to be able to interact as a young adult. Things that you learn and die to as a as if if you're being transformed, that is. How many of you know you can be 60 or 80 and still be extremely selfish because you never transformed out of that? Come on, Tommy. (laughs) So this process of transformation, and again, I don't want to spend all of our time on that, but it's a a very key part of 
of our going forward and us becoming what God has destined us to be. I want us to turn to Samuel, 1 Samuel, actually, chapter 10 and verse 6. There's an interesting scripture there. Saul is about to be made king. And Samuel is giving him some instruction. It's kind of a a lackluster moment, really, because ultimately what has happened is Israel has rejected God as their king, and they're crying out for for a man king, for a human to be their king. And so Samuel is basically saying, because of the, or God is saying through Samuel, because of the hardness of your hearts, I'm going to give you this king. Well, he's sent Samuel to, to instruct Saul as to how to be the king. And he's describing to him what it will be like and so on and so forth. Later on, it talks about he shows him the, the way of kingly order. Uh, but anyway, this verse in, in uh, verse 6 in chapter 10 Uh, It says, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. See, God is in the business of transforming us from what we have been to what he desires us to be. What he desires us to be is, trust me, amazing. Way better than the comfortable spot that you've created for yourself Halfway into the world system and halfway into the kingdom system. Halfway thinking about the kingdom of God. Halfway thinking about the kingdoms of this world. God wants to transform us so that we're thinking like him. So that we're acting like him. So that we hear what is in his heart. And we're responding to what's in his, his heart. And we're transferring that to the people around us. Obviously, none of us are are experts at that. And again, it's a lifelong process. But the idea is, is that we're being transformed and God is the capability of transforming us so that people actually look at you at, at points in your life and say, wow, they are a totally and completely different person than what they used to be. How many of you, when you gave your life to Christ, there was a transformation that took place that was noticeable to the people around you? And there's, those comments were made. It's like, wow, what got into him? What happened to them? They're, they're like, yeah, they're not doing all the stuff they used to be. They're no fun anymore because <laughs> they're not engaging in the same way that they were engaging before. Guess what? That transformation is a powerful thing, and it's very recognizable by the people around you. John 10.10 is another scripture that is relevant to this morning's talk or thoughts. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus is describing his intention for us as his people. He does not want us to wallow in or to live in the dysfunction of our past and our understanding of our past life, past ways, past system. But he's come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And so if you're wondering what God's intentions are for you this morning, that's a good indication of what his intentions are. It may feel like in the middle of your 
transformation process that you're, again, being squeezed and crushed and broken by that process. But we have to go back to what the Word says and we have to stay locked in on what the Word says about this process. And if God's intentions um, spoken to us through Christ is that His intention is for us to have life and have it more abundantly, we have to stay locked in on that. And so when the image comes across of here's this picture of, you know, the devil arm wrestling with Jesus, right away that image didn't, my wife couldn't justify that image in her head. She's like, that image is, is just wrong. There's nothing right about that image. Why? Because she has transformed her mind and her perception of who the enemy is to be something that's under the foot of Jesus, not doing an arm wrestling match with him. That's a huge perspective change and transformational change that once you get that and you encounter those lies and the attacks of the enemy, you're going to recognize and you're not going to go into that thinking which can cripple you for days and weeks at times. But immediately you recognize the truth and the truth can set you free from days of dealing with whatever comes with believing the lie of the enemy. The Jews knew that Jesus was coming. They knew. I've been reading the the Gospels a lot lately. And it's just story after story after story of what Jesus was doing and how he lived his life and how he instructed and how he interacted with the religious leaders of his day. It's always been fascinating to me. But as I was thinking about this message, you know, again, They knew he was coming. They just had a vastly different perspective of what it was going to be like when he came. They were looking for Jesus to come, but they wanted him to do something that was still rooted in the world's system, in the world's thinking, even though they were religious leaders. Just because you're a religious leader doesn't mean that you've been transformed. Just because you have a title that gives a picture of what it should be doesn't mean that it's actually what's taking place inside. So a lot of times we are, we have to be careful not to take everything that we hear just because it comes from somebody that should be in the right place. We need to test it against scripture. In general, the religious leadership wanted freedom from Roman occupation. They were like, they love the power of the kingdom of God because they saw it as a way for them to be free from the the rule or the oversight of the Roman occupation. So they wanted to be free from that stuff. But they were not looking for accountability and personal change leading to their own transformation. So they wanted God to do the heavy lifting to give them the freedom to just live their life with ease without Roman involvement. But when it came to doing the hard work of positioning themselves before the Father and saying, Lord, what is in me that's out of order that needs to be changed? They were the ones that would would potentially usher in Jesus' return. Jesus returned and they missed it because they hadn't allowed the transformation to take place in their own eyes, in their own hearts. They had eyes to see, but they did not see. They had ears to hear physically, but they did not 
hear what God was doing in their generation. I do not want to be guilty of God doing things, the things that God is doing in my life and wants to do in my life and through my life and be guilty of having ears to hear Him but not being willing to go through the process of change that allows me to hear fully what He wants to take place. So these guys were, you know, they had all the facilities to be able to, to uh, hear and understand and know, but the hardness of their heart kept them from that, from that um, effectiveness. In Matthew chapter 23, Matthew 23 and verse 1, it said, And then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, And the scribes and the Pharisees sit, in Moses' seat. Now Moses' seat was, was representative of a seat of power. They loved the seat of power. You know, how many of you like the seat of power? Just be honest, you don't have to raise your hand. But yeah, you know, we like to be the one in charge most of the time, unless you're just an extreme introvert and, and you're not wired to, to do that or whatever. I understand that there's, there's a few people like that. But most of the time, even if it's in our introvertedness, we want to be in control of our introvert, introvertedness. So we're ultimately control freaks by human nature. And, um, but anyway, in verse uh, 2, he says, There they are looking to sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatsoever they tell you to observe, that you observe and do, but do not do according to their works, because they say and they do not do. In other words, they're saying, do what I say and don't do what I do. They can't say do what I do because they're doing all the wrong stuff. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their own fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. Again, right? It's just wrong. They make their phylacteries, which is basically these boxes, which is kind of weird. We don't do that anymore. But uh, they put these boxes with all the scriptures they'd, they'd memorized in a, in a box and they strapped it around their head. You've seen those like nightlight things or whatever you can can put around your head. It was like one of those, but bigger. And, and, the, and the more scriptures that you knew, the bigger your box got. So, so you got to go around with a big box if you really learned a lot of scriptures. That's just odd. But anyway, that was an odd generation, I guess. All their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries, boxes of memorized scriptures, broad and enlarge the borders of their garment to make them seem larger than life. My added words. And they love the best places of the feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace. And they love to be called rabbi, rabbi. Oh, rabbi, rabbi. Oh, yes, my son. That's wrong too. It's just the wrong heart. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, um, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you, so be your servant. See how Jesus turns it from the ways and the thinkings of this world to the kingdom thinking. And it's so different. It's so different. If we're going to be like Christ and what he's describing here of the transitions and the transformations that was supposed to be taking place in those leaders even, and then them transferring that information and lifestyle to the people around them, then they would have observed what Jesus was saying, known in their heart that they were out of order, and they would have been doing those transformations all along. You see, the general population knew that something was out of order, They knew that their sin was not being covered. They knew that the blood of bulls and goats was only a temporary covering 
And it was, they would get through the, the religious observance and cycles of that season. And then that heavy weight would be on them again because their sin was not fully being dealt with. Just covered. And so they knew, they knew that what they saw from the religious leaders was not right. They saw what, what they saw from the religious leaders was as empty as they were, as unfulfilling and unfulfilled as they were. And they were looking and longing for a solution to their dilemma and to their problem. They had been longing for the Messiah to come. And even though they weren't exactly sure what that was going to be and what that was going to look like, there was something in them that knew that the Messiah had to come if they were ever going to be free from the weight of bondage that was resting eternally on them. I've been listening to Hill songs. It has a song that um, there's a lady named Brooke Frazier Leigert Wood. She's, I think she's the worship leader for them now. She sings that song. What a beautiful name it is. Have you heard that? It's only got like 217 million views. So uh, if you haven't heard it, you're one of the 217 million people that haven't heard it. She sings this song and it's just an amazing song. I've actually been guilty of listening to it over and over because it just simply brings focus and attention to the name of Jesus. And we know that our power and our strength and our ability comes from the name of Jesus. And just simply saying that name There's power in that name. You know, the darkness trembles at the name of Jesus. The obstacles that we face, the challenges, the dilemmas, the the indecision, all of those things, they do not want the name of Jesus to be applied to the dysfunction of any area of our life because they know that at the name of Jesus, everything changes. But I was listening to some of her thoughts about the song that they had created and she's been singing for for a while now. She says this, anyone who has come face to face with their own flaws and sin and receives the grace of Jesus can undoubtedly say that it's the most beautiful thing that they've ever experienced. Maybe you've come a long way since that moment. There are so many times when life and and all of the transformation process gets overwhelming and I have to kind of go back to the beginning. And so I find myself just kind of reevaluating and saying, God, what is this all about? And And he always takes me back to the simplicity of the name of Jesus and the effect that that name has had on my life. And there are so many times when, when emotionally I'll even be not even say it, but I will think that name in a, you know, just private time of prayer or worship or whatever will suck the air out of my lungs. Like, (gasps) because there's such power in that name or he reminds me of how much he's brought me through. And it just, it literally can take your breath away, the power of God and what that name represents. When I really stop to think of the journey that I've been on and all of the places that we've been and the miracles that we've seen and how that God has come through in the darkest of times, it's like, God, what would I do without you? I don't want to live without your influence in my life. 
the powerful name of Jesus. So if anyone has come face to face with their own flaws and sin, it's not difficult. There are plenty, at least from my, from my view of myself. And receive the grace of God that covers those sins, forgives us of those sins. They can undoubtedly say it's the most beautiful experience they've ever had. This song is an attempt at unfolding some of the facets of the beauty and the power and the wonder of his name. There is something about singing something that someone in their soul knows to be absolute truth. And bringing that from a heart knowledge to a mouth confession. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So that when you hear with your own ears, your mouth saying something that is true, it creates faith. So when you, you know, the whole box thing on your head was actually quite brilliant. In this, not the box thing on your head, but the concept why they had the box on their head, because it was simply saying, I learned these scriptures. Well, it's the scriptures that's the word of God that if we speak the word of God and our ears hear what the word of God says or what God is saying to us, that's what produces faith for us to act on. It gives us some concrete to go forward on. We can stand on that. So if the Word of God is declaring something that He's making real to us, that's what we stand on in that moment and go forward. And so knowing Scripture, the concept is right. We're just not to get all puffed up about it. Like don't, don't be walking in you know, next Sunday and saying, yeah, I learned 18 this week. <laughs> How many did you learn? None. <laughs> no, it's God shared this scripture with me. I committed to remembrance. And when the time came for him to draw on that scripture because it was needed in my personal experience at that moment, he brings it to my attention. I can speak that word over my situation. Faith comes in and then there's change that can take place. You know, the scripture says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith has to arise. Somehow, some way, faith has to come and arise. And the scripture that says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God is what activates those faith moments in our life. And so you want to be looking for those faith moments. You want to be looking for that scripture or that, that word from the Lord. Sometimes he brings something into your mind and you don't know chapter or verse. I'm terrible at it. I've been a preacher for most of my life and I, I'm terrible at remembering the chapter and the verse part. The scripture will come, but it's Leah that knows the, you know, where it is. Well, yeah, of course you know where it is and nine million other ones too. She's amazing. That's why God gave her to her. I actually sent my sister a text yesterday. My sister in Bible college was the one that introduced us. And I said, thank you for introducing me to Leah that she would become my wife. I have no idea where I would have ended up if it hadn't been for her. <laughs> so anyway, I'm sure it would be a mess somewhere. So this faith is arising and building, instructing, showing us truth. Truth, as we, as we encounter truth and we embrace truth, 
It has the ability to bring transformation that sets us free, changes the direction, changes our trajectory. How many times have you encountered a truth of God's word and you allowed it to transform your life and your thinking at that moment and it literally changed the the course direction of your life? That's what the word of God does. I'm actually probably more excited right now. It's been a very dark, difficult four or five years. I've explained all that and talked about it. We've You've, we've all got t-shirts about it now. <laughs> but the truth is, those are seasons. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that expanse of time where we just didn't hear from God the way that we were maybe accustomed to at other transitions in our life. The lack of information was deafening. But yet, eventually, God's going to begin to share the purpose of that silence. And most of the time, it's not because he couldn't think of something for you to do next. He was waiting for a transformation to take place in our life. And that journey was what he was using to allow us to be shown ourselves, so that we could say, ah, yeah, that probably needs to change. Ah, yeah, that, that definitely needs to change. Yeah, I didn't even know that was in there. And stuff rises to the surface. We find out stuff about ourselves, and, and God says, before you can go where I need you to go, you got to deal with that. So let me know when you're ready to deal with that. And we wrestle and we pout and we cry and we tantrum on the floor, kicking our feet and whatever. I know you guys don't do that. It's just just something I have a tendency to do. But, uh, no, I don't want to do that. He's like, you're gonna. You're gonna. Oh, yeah, okay. So anyway, this change is taking place. And so you go through these seasons, some are more or less, and eventually God, if we're allowing him to work in us, he's bringing us to a place where we say, okay, Yes, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for forgiving my stubbornness. And he brings us to a place where we embrace that transition or the change that needs to take place in us. And we go into that next spot. And all of a sudden, you start to dream again. All of a sudden, you start to see, oh, oh, that might... Uh, yeah, wow, Leah's over there preaching, and I'm preaching, and wow, this is, this is different. But you know what? This is kind of what we were thinking about four years ago. Why did it take so long? You know? And it's not about preaching, and it's not about being here or there. It's simply about God saying, okay, now I can let you do this or that. Now you're ready to be obedient in this spot. So what is it? that's going on in your life right now, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Are you seeing that armless wrestling match with Jesus and the devil? Is that the, the view that you have right now? If it is, it's, it's, that's fine. It's not fine. It's got to change. But, but if that's where you are, today's for you. Because that's an incorrect image. And God's wanting that image to be transformed, you to be transformed in your thinking of that image so that you can see how powerful he is to face the situation that you're in right now. 
he's kind of placed me in this marketplace trajectory now where I'm not preaching all the time. And preaching was kind of my thing. And pastoring was my thing. And it was my identity. And it was my security blanket and my comfort place. And I just got used to living life in that world. And, that, and it was it was a, uh, it was, it had become, it had become easy. It become natural. It become who I was. And, and I enjoyed, you know, the interaction I'm enjoying today. But that's not my trajectory now. And so I, I have to fight, you know, the lie of the enemy that would come against what God has actually told me to do to say, you know, you could just go back and do that. No, that's, that's not it. It's not it. And so it's placed me with this guy. Hoorah. Shed City, go team. So, you know, I've been on this little marketplace thing. And what's amazing is I see God using this guy to bring stuff out of me. And a part of that transformation process in this company, where's it going? What are we doing? There's transition. There's, there's questions being asked right now. There's, there's challenges that we're looking at and, and uh, the owners are looking at. And, and it's like, God, what do, you, what do you want this to become? What's the purpose of it all? What's my, what do I want? What do we want? What is, your, what is your business thing? What's going on with it? Where are you at in your daily life? What's the, what's the, is it just to, to make money to go to the store, to buy bread, to go home and fix the bread so we can eat the bread and go to sleep and get up the next day and do it all over again? Is that, you know, because it's very easy to fall into that routine. My wife says, you know, I'm notorious for if I sit still for three minutes, I'm going to fall asleep. You know, I did it yesterday. I got home from whatever it was that I went to. I got home from work, noontime. Sat down for a little while, and I was going to study, and uh, <laughs> he goes, he goes, you got to get ready for tomorrow. And then he said, I'll see you. And I'm like, ah, what is it that God's challenging you with? This day is not about my journey. It's just an example to, for God to allow you to begin to think about what is it that he's doing transformationally in your life. You're in the process of transformation. But it's at times we have to step away from the rat race, the circle, that cyclical, go to work, get up. I'm tired. I don't have enough energy to get to work. I'm going to go to work because I got to get a paycheck and I'm going to get a paycheck so I can go to the store again and get more food and then come home and eat more food and go to bed as soon as my head... Hits then, and then uh, the weekend comes, and it's like more cycle, <laughs> whatever. It's just more cycle. If the, <laughs> yeah, if there's not any reason to it, it's just a rat race. It's a mad cycle of 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 continual no purpose. So I want to just say today, point two seconds. So the purpose of today. I believe, is for us to say to ourselves, what's this all about for this season of my life? You've been through whatever seasons that you've been through. 
But God, where am I at right now? And what's the purpose of all this beyond maintaining and taking care of the essentials? Why? And God, what are you up to? And what does the next couple of years, what do you want it to look like? What do you want me to see that I've not been seeing? What do you want me to hear that I've not been hearing? Because I've been so busy doing my own thing. I've been packing my box with stuff that people can see. Consumed with my own process. God, what do you want? What's the meaning to my journey right now? Knowing that a year from now, it can change. Probably will. Maybe will. I don't know. Maybe five years from now, it'll change. doesn't matter. Seems like every four or five years, mine changes. I don't know if that's a cycle in me <laughs> or what. But God, what are you saying? What do you want? What do you want? Have I been listening? Have I really heard what you've been saying? Or am I just surviving? You're just surviving. Lord, there's something amazing about your name and the power that it represents. The eternity that it represents. And so, Lord, today is a an effort in reevaluating our trajectory, the direction of our life, what's meaningful and important to us that really isn't a part of your kingdom. What is it that our day-to-day, what is it that our ministry, what is it that our business, what is it that our home is supposed to be doing to reflect your kingdom. God, there are so many times when um, the whole process is overwhelming of, of trying to be aware of what you're doing that we just want to quiet ourselves, And not even just in this moment, it's almost impossible to shut everything out in a, in a public setting like this and just do that kind of evaluation. But Lord, I'm asking you to empower this body in the days ahead. Lord, to really ask those questions. God, what are you trying to do in me? What are you, what are you trying to transform in me that I'm, that I'm reluctant to let go of? And then, God, give me the grace to be able to hear and let go or to embrace whatever the case may be. And at the end of the day, if we try to do this process without you on our side, it's virtually impossible. It becomes just behavior modification instead of heart change. God, we want our heart to change. The religious leaders had to have a heart change for the output of their life to change, the trajectory of their life to change. As it turns out, they ended up crucifying the very one that could set them free. 
and fought them, fought him and his disciples for their entire journey. So God, open our eyes, open our hearts, open our ears. Help us to see not just stuff, not just routine, but what it is that you desire in us today and for this next season of our life. Thank you, Lord, for the breakthroughs. Thank you, Lord, for the times when you speak and and we're able to hear and sense the, the change and transition that's taking place. Thank you for those moments. But I, I just want to thank you, Lord, for the difficult times as well. I want to thank you for those crushing and squashing and squeezing moments, the tribulations and the trials that do come because they challenge us to the core of who we are and cause us to leave our dependence on a world system and turn our attention to you. So Lord, collectively today, we make opportunity and room for our focus and our attention to be directed to you. And Father, I thank you that if there are some here this morning that don't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, and they haven't started that journey yet, that they would have the courage and the strength and the ability to step across that threshold and say, Father, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. I recognize and know that I have sinned and I want to start this journey with you. I want that transformation process that he was talking about today. I want that process to take place in my life. And I want my life to count for something more than just the routine and survival. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you for interacting with each one in this room this morning. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.